on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I, I think I'm pretty with these old boots on. I think it's funny when I drink too much. <laughs> you try and change me, you can go to hell. Cause I don't wanna be nobody else. I like the chip I got in my front teeth. And I got bad tattoos, you won't believe So, kick out the jams, kick up the soul Pour another glass of that rock and roll Turn up the band, find the hole Gonna lose control tonight What do you want from me? Hi! Good morning to you! Thanks for coming over to 570 News And listening to us all day Watching, too, on Rogers Television It's good to have you along this morning Uh, Oh, that camera doesn't doesn't look good. We're going to need technical assistance from over there somewhere. Do you see that camera, you guys? I mean, it's not, uh, I don't, I'm not saying I have a good angle, but that angle's, it's not right. Somebody bumped it with their face. And the thing is, our good friends at Rogers Television trust us to, they trust us to operate this equipment. Here comes Erin Anderson. She'll fix it this year. They trust us to operate this equipment. I got a secret for you. There ain't not one of us in here who's qualified to do it. Oh, it's a little bit better. You can see the logo now. Little bit to the, I think over that way. <laughs> Just, this is behind the scenes stuff. Luke's helping out. Oh, is it, is it off whack? Is it out of whack? Yeah. Oh, goodness. We're going to need. We're going to need somebody who's got a degree. That's better, I think. That's better. Because if I know one thing about branding, it's put the logo in the damn shot. So we got it. That's good. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Aaron Anderson. Who is filling in for producer James, uh, who's on vacation? Uh, And we have uh, producer Luke, our technical producer, who is filling in for for, for producer Polly. So it's still vacation mode over here, you guys. Uh, First of all, it's the penultimate broadcast of the Jennifer Campbell show. Tomorrow is our last show. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of the wonderful messages you've been sending me. Uh, very kind words about how much fun we've had and all, all of the great discussions we've had together over the past uh, two and a half years. So I appreciate that. It's all fine and dandy. Um, I'm moving down the hall to go back full-time to uh, music radio, to our sister station, Country 106.7. I'm going to be there full-time now, not divided between two stations. And the whole long-winded story is uh, on Twitter. You can find it at JenCampbell77 if you'd like to hear it, because everybody was really worried that I got fired. And I think, did I tell you guys this yesterday? The thing about radio is if, if they fire you, they don't let you come back behind the microphone. Because um, also, little secret, radio people tend to be a little a little fly off the handle. So, so they, anyway, you, so many of you sent nice messages and so many of you probably are disappointed that I didn't get fired. But anyway, I mean, if it makes you happier to pretend I did, then that's okay too. Whatever, whatever tickles your pickle, babes. You know that by now. Um, first of all, before we get into uh, our show lineup today, let's talk for one second about the snitch line, shall we? Um, because I have lots of teacher uh, friends. And one of my teacher friends posted this the other day. I thought it was brilliant. So I'm just going to read you her post. If you want to kind of screw up the, the snitch line, who doesn't? 
Um, this is what you can do. Uh, this is what one of my teacher friends wrote. Let's ramp up the pressure by flooding Ford's snitch line. It's an online portal where anybody can send a message. If we clog the online snitch line with thousands of messages of support for teachers, demanding he pull the plug on his Orwellian scare tactic, we can make it unusable and defeat its entire purpose. But we need thousands of messages to make it work. Can you send a message before the first day of school on September 4th? And then there's a link to the snitch line, which is at uh, Ontario.ca slash form slash for the parents. And of course, you can do whatever you want on there. You could demand the snitch line be shut down. Uh, you could say that you won't stand for Ontario kids being taught in an atmosphere of suspicion and mistrust. You uh, could r- remind them that teachers have the right to use provincially mandated curriculums as a starting point. You could say teachers won't be bullied or threatened at the expense of our children's safety. Uh, you could talk about your favorite teacher. Just flood it. Flood this. I'm t- I'm not going to lie. I spent about a half hour. Spent about a half hour on the snitch line the other day. It felt good. I liked it. Felt like I was doing something. Yep. Um, okay. We're going to talk about an amazing uh, program that is going to happen with the Kitchener Public Library. That's on the way after 930 this morning. We're going to talk about the LGBTQ community um, offering self-defense classes because of some safety concerns. We'll talk about that too. I hope we have time to get to this one because it's just a little fun and frivolity. We did this on our sister station this morning. Why did you have to put your hand in the toilet? Every, we've been there. Everybody's been there. I think everybody's been there where you were like, oh, no, and you have to do it. Worse at a public toilet, for sure. Some really great answers. If you want to email me the reason why you had to put your hand in the toilet, uh, I'd love to hear from you, Jennifer, at 570news.com. Let's start with some seriosity here this morning um, with uh, an article you can find on the on our website, kitchenertoday.com. The youth movement is leading the digital economy. And to talk more about that, Amanda Sinclair, who's a senior analyst for the National Economic Accounts Division at Statistics Canada, joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Amanda. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi. Let's start with this. What is what is the digital economy? Because I'm not part of the youth, so I want to know what that encompasses. Yeah, that's a great question. So the digital economy, it's uh, sometimes hard to define, but we can see it all around us. Uh, everything we do is changing the way we interact, the way we buy goods and services, uh, the way they're delivered to us is changing because of technology and digitalization. So the survey was really aimed at capturing, um, for the first time, how Canadians are using and purchasing various digital products, um, as well as different payment methods that Canadians are using. Are they using digital payment methods? Are they still using cash? And finally, are Canadians using um, digital platforms to make money? Mm. So when we talk about these products, we're talking about music, we're talking about ebooks, we're talking about online uh, video games, we're talking about apps and, and software kind of things like that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So basically anything that you buy online but that comes to you in a digital format. So excluded from our survey were online purchases of, of physical goods. So if you buy clothing online and have it sent to you, we really didn't look at that in this survey. Right. We really wanted to focus on those products that come to you in digital format. So this was um, this was a study for uh, of over just about a year's time, and um, w- just to your point that you just mentioned, over that period, twenty eight percent of adults in Canada reported making money through online platforms. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah, that's what the survey found, and the most common way that they did make money 
was through by, uh, sorry, selling either new or used products uh, through what we call online bulletin boards. So things like Kijiji or okay. eBay or Etsy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, does everybody like developing apps in their basement? That's a lot of people. Um, also, let's talk about payment methods because mm-hmm. our minds have, have changed quite a bit and evolved quite a bit um, with um, online, uh, you know, banking and how we pay for things online. It used to be, I think, not so long ago that many of us were a little uh, uneasy about using credit cards and online mm-hmm. banking, but that seems to be um, progressing through the fear. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, over 75% of, can- of Canadians' transactions, so their personal spending, were done through what we call digital payment methods. Yeah, the debit, credit, online banking, and just uh, around 20% still with cash or credit, uh, sorry, cash or check. Um, we also asked if they're using other payment methods, like reward points are really big now, gift cards, that sort of thing. So a, a small proportion, just about 3% of personal transactions were done using those methods, but uh, still, we found the majority, the bulk of transactions are being done through digital payment methods. And as the uh, as the study shows, it's it's younger Canadians that are more likely to to use and purchase digital products. Ninety percent of people between eighteen and forty four purchased uh, digital products in those twelve months. Yeah, yeah, ninety percent, and then it falls uh, to just about fifty percent for Canadians who are sixty five and older. So definitely an age trend there. Um, and we did find that for those who did purchase, so we, the survey asked whether you purchased or used a free version, uh, but then we expanded on the people who actually bought, and we found that average they spent about $412 per person. So we, and we need to talk about income too, because that, um, that shows up as, a, as a quite a big factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we looked at whether spending was different between different demographics, we didn't see a lot between age groups, uh, but we did see that people who were earning a little bit more personal income did tend to spend uh, a little bit more on these digital products. Uh, we also found that males spent a little bit more on average than females. Let's talk about um, let's talk about what's popular between uh, the different kind of. Um, you know, uh, groups of Canadians. So with young men, uh, online gaming is the most popular uh, purchase. Yeah. So we did find for online gaming, uh, so this would be like computer games or console games, uh, that almost 80% of male, of young males reported using or buying those online gaming. Uh, and they spent um, about three times more than their female counterparts, so than young females. So really popular with the younger the younger males. What about uh, how reading has changed for us too? Because ebooks are a, are a big deal. I'm still I kind of hold on to that paper copy, but I mean uh, digital downloads for for books are also huge. Yeah, we found uh, just around thirty percent of Canadians had said that they either used or, or bought like an ebook. There's also audio books now. I know podcasts are getting popular. Um, newspapers are offering online subscriptions. Um, so we did find that, but the, still the most popular amongst that category were the were e-books. Uh, that was what people were really buying. Amanda Sinclair, Senior Analyst for the National Economic Accounts Division at Stats Canada. Thank you for joining us this morning. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We, uh, I also have this really good thing I want to get to. Oh, maybe I'll save it for tomorrow. I got a crazy email from one of you. It's anonymous 
as promised, if you tell me your emails, please don't say my name. I won't ever say your name. But this was a great email. We were talking about weddings uh, yesterday. Remember we were talking about expensive weddings and, and such? Um, I, got, I got an email from a uh, listener who was recently married and her mother-in-law pulled quite a stunt at the wedding. So I think we need to get to this one too because um maybe there maybe you guys have stories about some passive aggressive behaviors that you've had from your from your in-laws uh it always seems specifically to be mother-in-laws. This story from our listener was a mother-in-law story. Uh so I hope to share that with you too. This is a story from one of you guys about a recent wedding and a really kind of crappy thing. I think it was crappy. Um that a mother-in-law pulled at a wedding. So we're going to get to that. Also, I need to know why did you have to reach into the toilet? I, it's just some fun just some fun stuff. We had a lot of success with this topic on our Facebook fan page for our sister station. Whew, doozy stories. Let's talk about um let's talk about why you had to reach into a toilet. Star 570-519-570-2545. We'll share those next on 570 News. Traffic. It's the last thing you want to see on your commute. The best way to avoid it? 570 News Airborne Traffic Reports with Daryl Dahmer. Get the most accurate reports for your commute with 570 News, your local source for airborne traffic. Okay, I think we've all been there where something falls into the toilet and you're like, oh gosh, I'm the adult. I have to do it. I have to put hands or tongs or something into the toilet. Hopefully you're at home during this whole scenario and get it out. Um, My story was not at home. I was a young waitress many moons ago, uh, serving at a Casey's in Midland, and the staff bathroom was full. So I went to the public bathroom, not that the staff bathroom was any cleaner, um, and uh, and not that the, the public bathroom was unclean. It's just a public bathroom, you know? So I quickly, very quickly, uh, pee, flush the toilet, stand up, and I turn around, and I see that a $50 bill, because you know how servers, we all wear our aprons, right? A $50 bill has gone into the public toilet bowl, Yep. And I've already flushed. It's already happening, you guys. It's already spinning. So I have like seconds to make the decision. And I, yeah, I did. I put, that was half my tips, I bet, for that day. My hand went right in that toilet and I yanked that $50 bill out. And, uh, then I had to go in the kitchen and ask the, um, one of the cooks for like the harshest chemical scrubs I could use. Cause I had to serve people food and I'm not just a complete Neanderthal. So. <laughs> I spent that 50 pretty quick. Didn't want to keep it. Didn't want it in my apron anymore. Uh, why did you have to reach into the toilet? Star 570-519-570-2545. Hi, Bill. Good morning to you. Jennifer, first I'll say I'm sorry to see you go, but I know you're not going far. Thank you. Thank Secondly, you. I will say sunglasses plopped in the head into the jar. <gasps> Were they expensive? Well... Yes, and they were recovered and washed off and dried with the dryer in the public bathroom and all good. (laughs) 
I know. I mean, is it a price thing? I think there is a price point. Had that been like a, a $5 bill that I dropped in the toilet, I probably wouldn't have done it. If those had been $20 sunglasses, would you have let them go? Um, it would have been fun to see them flush. <laughs> I can't say that I, I wouldn't do the same thing, Bill. Thanks for the phone call this morning. I might do. Bye. Thanks, Bill. Why did you have to put your hand, why did you have to reach into the toilet? We got some great answers uh, coming in uh, on a Facebook fan page for our sister station because we did this this morning and I couldn't believe the variety of things that we have f- had fall into the toilet. Um, a lot of phones, obviously a lot of phones. This is a relatively new phenomena, isn't it? To have the phone fall in the toilet. Thankfully, I'm a bit of a curvy girl, so I don't don't have a thigh gap. So even if I'm using my phone on the toilet, my thighs save it every time. Every time. I kitch it. (laughs) But I think it's because a lot of women carry the phone in the back pocket. Is that why? Because you carry the phone in the back pocket, you go to take off your jeans and... There it is. Why did you have to reach into the toilet? Star 570-519-570-2545. I don't think you'd be surprised to know that a lot of the answers from you guys were uh, about the children. The children. Uh, Cody said, I have a 16-month-old. He tries to throw everything in the toilet. The only good part is he doesn't understand that you have to flush it yet. He just thinks it's another body of water to play in. Uh, I've lost a phone or two to the toilet bowl. Um, where was it? Oh, this one. Yeah. My 13-month-old put my six-year-old stinky car in the toilet. We have deep toilets. It was a long reach down. Because if it's at your house, you got to get it. And I would say if you're a good citizen, you should probably take it out of the public toilet too. One time here at work, an entire roll of toilet paper fell into the toilet. I went, you know what I did? I went and got two plastic um, knives from the kitchen and I fished it out and put it in the garbage. I still felt tainted all day long. I still felt very, very uh, uh, unsanitary. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, probably some of my favorite answers to uh, why people had to reach into the toilet. Two people. Margaret said, my teeth. I need more information, Margaret. If the dentures fall in the toilet, dentures are, I mean, I don't know how much they cost, but they're, they're not cheap. We're talking thousands of dollars, I think. What do you do in that case? What do you do? Do you get new teeth is what I need to know. It, are there, are, is there some sort of company that insures your teeth for moments like this? Um, Where's this other one I loved? Oh, this is good. Kristen says, uh, I had to reach into the toilet. Actually, it wasn't me, but my loving and amazing sister went in after my phone, after it fell into the porta potty porta potty at Snyder's family farm last year. I told her it was gone. I'd come to terms with the loss, but she felt bad about it having all my son's baby videos and pictures on it. So she found a staff member, got two garbage bags, stuck her foot in them and felt around until she got it. Then she switched her foot for her hand and got it out. Surprisingly, the phone worked after being down there for almost half an hour. She wins the prize for best sister. I'm glad I was near the end of my contract and able to get a new phone. Yes. I mean, that's as good as giving your sister like a kidney or something. That's that's some love right there. Star 570. Uh, why did you have to reach into the toilet, Elizabeth? Why did you have to go? Well, actually, I didn't reach into the toilet, but somebody in my family should have because 
the toilet wasn't working right for quite a while. Sometimes it would almost overflow and sometimes it would be fine. And I had the plumber and he couldn't see anything wrong with it because when he flushed it, everything was fine. So I eventually, because I was having um, people coming from overseas and there'd be nine of us in the house using that, I um, I said, I, that's it. I wanted to take the thing right off the floor and see what's wrong. And, uh, then, and I was doing something in the kitchen and he finally came out to the kitchen and he, he, whatever he had fished out, he had thrown into a basket, a waste basket, and he held it in front of me and said, who's missing the yellow toothbrush? <gasps> oh. <laughs> of uh, course, nobody admitted they ever had a yellow toothbrush. Uh-huh, of course not. But that person must have known because, you know, yes. you, you lose your toothbrush. Yes. You have yes. to go get another one. Well, That's right. <laughs> Elizabeth, I was, a, I was quite concerned about what you were going to tell me came out of the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, there could be worse stories. <laughs> there could, there could be. My girlfriend Mary had a similar story. She has a kid who um, tends to be bunged up quite a bit, and they had to take the t- the whole yes. toilet off. And then she, with a glove on, I believe she had a glove on, had yeah. to reach out up yeah. the toilet. So, I mean, if it makes you feel better, Elizabeth, the the yellow toothbrush at least didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Thanks. For- <laughs> it was taken right off the floor. There was. We knew there was something there. Thank anyway, you for the call. Okay. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. bye-bye. Yeah, some kid somewhere knew that their yellow toothbrush was down there. Or, ooh, maybe it was like a sibling fight, you know? You said this, you did that. Yeah, well, guess where your toothbrush is. That's right. It is 928. We're going to talk about... Um, some new self-defense classes are uh, being offered in at Kitchener after the LGBTQ community uh, has raised some safety concerns. The newsroom next at 930, 570 News. As you pack your bags for summer, make sure you take us with you with the 570 News app. Download it today at 570news.com. Coming back with us, 9.33, and some members of uh, our region's LGBTQ uh, community turning to martial arts after an overwhelming number of people who identify as gay or transgender reported feeling unsafe and ostracized. Uh, this uh, self-defense program is run in a partnership between La Rose Karate in Waterloo and the AIDS Committee of Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, and area. And joining us this morning is Ruth Cameron, who's the executive director of uh, ACCKWA. Good morning, Ruth. Thanks for coming on with us. Good morning, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Um, when we talk about, I mean, these are some, these are some really uh, disheartening, um, kind of numbers. This, the majority of, um, of the people in this survey said that they didn't necessarily feel safe in the region going out or about, ex- accessing services, at, so on and so forth. Um, yes. So I think that what is important, uh, to focus on there is that it was about, uh, individuals, uh, experiences of feeling safe in public spaces. And a number of these surveys have been done in other parts of Canada and in other places around the world for LGBTQ communities, uh, where significant numbers of people have, uh, reported that they don't feel safe in public spaces in, um, in, in their uh, local settings. 
So how does it? How does this program um, begin then? Because there's already been uh, some classes, and then there's going to be there's going to be another um, round of of classes. But how how did it come to be then? Is it the karate school that kind of uh, came to you? Did you guys go to the martial arts school? How did it kind of evolve? Well, uh, uh, Sensei LaRose actually approached us because we um, have a um, space uh, community. Uh, a space that we will rent to other community partners and um, thought that it would be a good idea to try and start out a very small class on a trial basis in our space. We were very excited about the idea and um, happy to have the partnership. So um, with fairly short notice, um, uh, uh, Sensei LaRose was able to um, advertise uh get a, a good initial number of uh, participants to come, uh, both individuals who are allies as well as uh, members of the LGBTQ community. And there was a three-week self-defense class that was very successful. Is there any difference then in, a, in a, the self-defense classes, you know, um, provided to the LGBTQ community or is it much the same as uh, any other kind of uh, self-defense class one would take? Um, so from what I understand, uh, from members who uh, joined the class, all the techniques that were taught were the same. Uh, I suspect that maybe the conversations that were had in between learning various uh, techniques uh, were a little bit different because people probably felt safe about uh, discussing uh, situations they'd been in. So I know uh, from my experience that when I, um, I actually did take karate and self-defense uh, in the past, and uh, there were some discussions of scenarios. Um, of course, there was the, the discussion of prevention and, you know, relying on your instinct to hopefully avoid confrontational situations so that you don't necessarily have to use those self-defense skills. But then, of course, being prepared so that if you do have to, you can quickly use those and then get out of a situation before it escalates. So I imagine that people just perhaps felt a little bit more comfortable talking about their sense of safety uh, and uh, what they might pick up on that makes them think that they uh, may need to employ self-defense skills in the community. And uh, Sensei LaRose, who's the owner and the instructor of the karate school, um, I mean, he, he, he who is gay, I mean, is really talking about busting up some stereotypes too because some people say that, you know, the, the kind of... Um, machoism that is in martial arts um you know that there's a lot of violence or it's rough that you have to be ultra masculine this is um this is him kind of busting through many of those stereotypes as well um absolutely i think um i can say uh, for myself as someone who identifies as lesbian that uh you know some of the homophobia that was experienced uh, for, for example, in high school, um, you know, at university age, was um, was homophobia that was enacted through physical activities or sports. Mm. So, uh, you know, name-calling that happens in, in sport culture, um, you know, stereotypes about who is active and who is not. If you're a girl who actually likes uh, sports, uh, somehow you're therefore uh, not feminine and therefore not straight, um, these kinds of things. Um, and I think the, uh, the uh, reverse for that for uh, cis- cisgender um, guys, if you're um, uh, you, to be masculine, you're right. You've got to be uh, a guy who's into sport. Um, so I think that what he's done with creating a smaller space for people to come into, 
you know, different ability levels, different activity levels is fantastic. It's a great place for people to try out something new if they're not too sure if it's for them and get comfortable and maybe decide to take it on on a more serious basis. Ruth Cameron is the executive director of the AIDS Committee of Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo. Um, um when do, when when can people get reinvolved then it's like this is a program that needs to obviously you've seen the the need for it to happen again and it's very wonderful that it is making a return uh, when does it come back and then how do people uh, who are interested kind of save themselves a space or a spot so um from what i understand right now uh Sensei la rose is basically garnering interest from lgbtq youth on whether they would be interested in doing a mini course that was targeted for young people, so under the age of 18. And if people go to his webpage, that's LaRose Karate, L-A-R-O-S-E-K-A-R-A-T-E dot com. Uh, there is a, a, a page where people can sign up. When he gets some numbers, uh, he'll reschedule with us, and hopefully we'll have a new uh, set of uh, lessons coming for LGBTQ youth. Ruth Cameron, I appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate your work and the passion you put into it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about, uh, after 945, we're going to talk about Kitchener Public Library having a place to play this fall. This is going to be a great story um, that you can uh, tune into and you can kind of uh, figure out. Gosh, there's n- I love the library so much and have my entire life. My mom kind of developed this library love in me when I was a little girl. And then... Um, my kids, I think that probably one of the most exciting moments for me as a mom was taking my kids to get library cards. And our Kitchener Public Library certainly has so, so much to offer. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But let's get to this because I teased it and I have uh, a couple of comments coming in about uh, people sharing passive aggressive comments um, that they got from their mother-in-laws. Do father-in-laws do this too? Is there an in-law? Mother-in-laws get a bad, they get a bad rap, I think. Um, but this is a note that I got, and I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who sent it to me. Um, but uh, essentially, the story is about a wedding that took place last weekend, and the bride writes me a note, and what happened was her brand new mother-in-law... Uh, asked the photographer to take a family photo at the wedding without her in it. (laughs) Without the bride. Without the bride in the picture. I think this is horrible. Is that horrible? So so the whole, you know, mother-in-law's side of the family, she asked for a photo from the photographer without the bride in it. Am I being crazy? I think this is horrible. I think it's terrible. And I think that this anonymous emailer is right. I think it was an awful display on the wedding day. Now, I haven't really talked to her too much. She wants to think if she's, she wants to know if she's overreacting. I don't think she is overreacting. I think that's a terrible thing. What do you guys say? Star 570, 519-570-2545. Mother-in-law asks for a family photo at a local bride's wedding last weekend without the bride in the picture. What do you what do you think of Luke's looks perplexed over there. Luke, is that okay? Is that okay? I don't think it's okay. I, I think at the wedding, whether or not you like it, that person is part of your family now. You don't have a say. 
So it's it's a little bit uh, messed up, I would say. And it's not a, a family photo shoot. It's a wedding shoot. So the person, the bride, and the groom whose wedding it is and who are paying probably, I'm guessing, I don't know that for sure, um, for the photographer, for the mother-in-law, the new mother-in-law to say, I'd like a family photo without the bride in it. I think that is very ballsy and kind of disgusting. Was there some sort of miscommunication where, like, she just wanted, like, the the groom side of the family or something? But even at that point, like I said, the bride is, they're a part of the family now. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Not saying that that was the main reason. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you're at their wedding, they're a part of the family, suck it up, let them in the photo. This is terrible. I think... Um, it's a bad, it, it, and I I would like to know more from her too. She's again, I'm not going to say her name. She did include it, but I won't say it. I want to know if the if her brand new husband stood up to his mother. Be but better. Then there's like drama and weirdness, and it's a wedding day, and it's kind of weird. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, but at the same time, like I'm very much of the mentality that you know when you're with your significant other, especially on your wedding day when you're getting married. Yeah, the, your priorities are number one. If the mother-in-law wants to start issues, it yeah. doesn't matter. They don't have a say compared to your bride or groom. No, I'm, I, yep, yep, that's the thing. Um, so you tell me, the mother-in-law at a wedding this past weekend asks for a family photo without the bride in it. The bride emailed me and says, am I overreacting? I don't think she is. I think this is a pretty telling kind of piece of behavior of what's to come. I do. I feel bad by saying that, but uh, Star 570. Hi, Brad. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Okay, first time talking to you on this uh, radio station. Well, I'm so glad you called. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I think the mother-in-law should be taken out to a field and kind of shot. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's excessive force. But, I, I, yeah, Brad, I think, I think it's terrible. Are you still there, Brad? Oh, he's gone. Um, and I don't think it was about the family photo. I think that's, like, indicative of a weird power struggle of some sort, right? Like, she's trying to kind of be the be the the big woman on campus, so, so to speak. She's kind of taking that power away from the bride on her day. It's, it still blows my mind that, because I've read stories like this a whole lot all over the web and even heard some from friends. And the, like, I don't get how some people can go to a wedding and not understand where the focus is. Yeah. It doesn't, like, even if it has to be about you, it, it doesn't have to be about you in that moment. Wait. Outside of the wedding, go back to your selfish ways. That's fine. Yes, but, but no. But people who are selfish and narcissistic, they can't just have a time out from that. Do you know what I mean? That's just who they are. I don't. How many times have you heard stories about uh, the the mother in law or the sister in law or whoever wearing the same colored dress or wearing like a white dress or an off white dress or some sort of you know? We've I've heard that lots of times. Um. So this bride says she she did let the photographer do a family photo. Uh, she said, I just stood by in my gown while she took the family wedding photo with the whole wedding party. Minus me, the bride. Oy, oy, oy. You guys have sent me some other uh, mother-in-law stories. I, father-in-law, or fa- father-in-laws don't, they don't have the same rap, do they? 
Um, so maybe we'll come back to those tomorrow, but we do need to take a break. We're going to take a break and we are going to come back and we're going to talk about the Kitchener Public Library with Bob Egan, who's the community development manager at the KPL next. Baseball is too slow, they say. The bringer of rain. Try telling that to Josh Donaldson. There's the first pitch. He's got less than half a second to react to a pitch. Don't miss a single moment of Toronto Blue Jays baseball. And that ball is gone! On 570 News. Unbelievable! We are back at 9.49 and a much less humid day here in Waterloo Region. And two great emails in from uh, you guys over over the break um, where I was telling you I got an email from a bride whose mother-in-law asked to do a family photo uh, without her in it at the wedding last weekend. I thought that was... Uh, well, first of all, in very poor taste. And obviously, it's not about the picture. This was a power struggle of some sort that the mother-in-law is trying to lay down. And I honestly thought to myself, does this stuff, like, does this really happen? Does this really happen? Apparently, it does, because two more emails uh, have come in uh, anonymously. No surprise there. Uh, another uh, another uh, email. This one says, hi, Jennifer. When I was telling my mother-in-law, uh, I thought my husband would get emotional at our wedding and cry. She said he cries at everything. AKA nothing special. Her tone was awful. And this is, this might be my favorite. Uh, hi, Jen. I got, uh, in my early 20s, I received facial wax strips as a gift for Christmas from my mother in law. <sighs> wow, sir. I um, will take the good from this and appreciate my soon to be new mother in law because she's lovely, at least to my face. She's lovely. <laughs> Let's uh, get back into it this morning. We are joined by Bob Egan, who is our Kitchener Public Library's Community Development Manager. We're going to talk about what's happening this fall at the KPL. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for coming in. Hi, Jennifer. Good to be here. And what a segue from mother-in-laws to the library. Well, we'll turn it into something, you know, more positive and happy then. Although I do feel a little bit bad for giggling over some of those stories, but they're kind of astounding, almost hard to believe. Uh, The Kitchener Public Library is uh, absolutely one of our crown jewels here in Kitchener. And uh, certainly, like we were talking about earlier, not the library I remember uh, as a kid. As a matter of fact, during our holidays, I took my kids to the main branch and I was trying to explain to them how different it was like when I was a little girl you had to be very quiet when you were at the library Mm. and with the buzz and the action and the vibe that's happening at the library now they really kind of found that hard to believe so um, quite an evolution we've come uh, we've had in libraries in general and certainly at the Kitchener Public Library. Oh and the evolution continues right we are I think it all drives from our CEO Mary Chevreau's vision to to take the traditional um, purview of libraries, which has been literacy and traditionally print literacy, and expand it to the literacies that are uh, vital to people's lives in the 21st century. Things like digital literacy and musical and visual and creative literacies. And um, because we do serve the community, and our job is to find ways to serve the community. 
Well, we certainly had to spend quite a bit of time at those digital printers. Let me tell you, we we had a th- I have three boys who were very excited to uh, kind of go and watch, and actually, someone was using one of the printers. So, what a wonderful learning experience they had that day, and not even. Um, it was kind of th- threefold from the library, uh, from the people who worked in the library, and then from some of the other users, too, at the library. Great conversation starting between the people who were there for uh, other reasons than we were. It was wonderful. Well, you had, you had the quintessential library experience then. We're, we're working to build community where people come together to create and connect and collaborate even. So let's talk about uh, how the Kitchener Public Library will be a place to play this fall. There's a, an event series happening, and it's a pretty huge fall program. Well, it is. It's our 85 uh, Queen series. We're going to run two of these a year, one in the spring and one in the fall. And we're at a, we're at a very sweet spot now where the, uh, the publishing houses in Toronto uh, and New York are seeing the Kitchener Public Library as a viable stop for their for their best-selling authors. It used to be the author would fly into Toronto and fly out. And now they're keeping them over an extra day to come out to our library. And the musicians, um, thanks to our partnerships with Center in the Square, our great civic uh, partner, uh, the musicians, the buzz is out there that this is a great place to play. We don't have to sell the library anymore. They're coming to us. And a lot of this work, I have to, is, is hands off to Sheila Bauman, who has been working tirelessly for, for decades at this type of programming. And it's now coming to this fruition, and, uh, and we're just thrilled to be riding this wave and, and nurturing it. So any kind of highlight, um, you know, name drops you want to make about people we can see speak or play or sing to us coming up? Well, one of the, one of the big things we're just thrilled about is choir, choir, choir coming to uh, the library, library, library. <laughs> These are two fellows that lead the audience in group sing-alongs of popular songs. Now you may think, okay, no big deal. But they sell out Massey Hall. They play festivals to tens of thousands of people. Um, in fact, we had we have over 450 people registered for this. Wow. And our capacity is... Well, somewhere between 250 and 300. Oh, there's going to be some disappointed wannabe rock stars. Well, they all know the drill. So we're really excited about that. We're also really excited. You know, we entertain, but we also inform. So we've got a couple fantastic things coming in this season uh, that we think speak to the uh, social issues of the time. One is uh, our partnering uh, with Stratford Music or Stratford Theater Festival to bring in To Kill a Mockingbird, mm, right? Yeah. To address these issues of, of racism and classism. Um, and so we will have discussions, audience participation. It's going to be a very vibrant uh, series with Stratford. And we're also bringing in um, this very noted speaker from Ontario, Matthew Johnson from Media Smarts. And his topic is the selfie culture. Mm, this sounds very interesting. Well, I'm sure you've seen this across your desk where uh, teens and tweens are living in this selfie world. Mm-hmm. And with all of the enhancements on the phone and camera, their real face cannot match up to what they've created yeah. online. Yeah. And, and they are looking to very dark options to match those two. Wow. So Matthew is coming to not only speak at the library, but we were able to coordinate uh, two different high school visits to him. Wonderful. With him. Yes. Yeah. So this, important. 
It's, it's part of our commitment um, to uh, to serving the community. You know, instead of just preaching to the choir, mm-hmm. let's actually move the dial. Yeah, and I love that, um, you know, it kind of covers, you know, it's, it's just being entertained to, you know, talking about things that are uncomfortable to talk about to pro- and to, into that selfie um, discussion, which is something that I do think just about every parent is struggling with, but we don't collectively have a place to have that conversation. So what a great uh, what a great thing that you know you're you're playing you're entertaining and you're informing all at the same time. It's a wonderful job. <laughs> um, okay, so if people want to be part of any of those those events that we've heard of right now. Obviously, some of those are almost full or beyond capacity. But is there room then for people to kind of come for any of those um, any of those upcoming uh, shows and and speeches? Well, absolutely. And if I could get one message out about that, is that. All of these events that we have are free and they're accessible to anyone in the community. Mm-hmm. So you do not need to have a library card. You do not need to be from Kitchener. All you need to do is have an interest in in something entertaining or something that's going to push the boundaries. And uh, that's what the library is. It's an open door for this community. And we we're kind of seeing that in the numbers. You know, last year we had a a twenty uh, percent increase wow. in new library card registrations. Isn't that wild? Oh, we're so we're so proud of that. And the kids, I mean, um, my kids were so excited to do it. I mean, they, people say all they want to do is you know video games and tablets, but I'll tell you, my three boys were very ready to walk up and get their own library card. So I think that if we kind of you know give them the opportunity and open the door, then they really do they really do want to be part of the library experience. Oh, there's so many so many things available to them. Yeah, including our it, we just marked our one year anniversary of the Sun Life Financial Instrument Lending Library. Yes. We have 250 instruments that you can check out just like a book. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, completely out of time uh, on our show this morning. So uh, KPL.org, is that the best place for people to, to go for all the details and information? It certainly is. Okay. Bob Egan is KPL's Community Development Manager, and we thank you for your time this morning, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. I do believe Mike Farwell is in the house, back in the house, for a day or so anyway. He's on the way next on 570 News.